0: Hello, everyone. My name is Sharon Davis. Many of my listeners know me from my Mommy Moments on Facebook. Thank you for joining me today to hear about my caregiver journey or my mom. Two weeks ago, I talked about forgiveness and the tools I needed to have a successful transition to bring mom home. I shared that the one thing I failed to do as a caregiver was to ask my mom what she liked and what she wanted hindsight being 2020, I should have asked her if there was a pandemic, would she want to get the vaccine? Just kidding, everyone. I know my mom would have done it because she took the flu shot every year. She was on point with her colonoscopy, her mammograms, the pap smears, and her physical. However, I should have considered the environment she feels comfortable to live in. Since she was in the early stages of her disease, I had the opportunity to learn my mom as an individual and not as a parent. I had to learn some things about her that I didn't want to know as a daughter, but I had to know it. To this day, I ask her siblings and her mom as to some things in my mom's past. For example, mom told me what food and medicine she was allergic to, but I do not have a clue what happens when and if she ate them. I also don't know if she had her appendix or her tonsils taken out. Her mom knew the medical information and her siblings could share what happened when she had the allergic reactions. Now I finished talking with my aunt who shared that my mom loved to drive. Now I understand why it's so hard for her when I took her car away from her. Now I understand why she always wanted to be in the front seat, even when medical transportation would pick her up to take her to daycare. Now I understand why this is the one reason why building a team of care for mom is important. And this is what I am discussing today, building your team. In the last episode, I stated being a successful caregiver involves accepting help from others. You need a team. Just like it takes a village to raise a child, it takes a team to care for your loved one. In my case, my team would be other caregivers a social worker, doctors, nurses, pharmacists, therapists, transportation, support group, and counselor. Having the right people in your corner will help make this process easier to stomach. Other caregivers, you say? Well, taking care of a loved one is a 24-7 job that is unpaid to the family caregivers but paid to those that they hire. You can't do it all by yourself and maintain your sanity. Make a list of what is needed daily, weekly, and monthly. Reach out to fit your family members and say, hey, can you help me with this? Can I count on you for this? When I go on vacation for a week, can I count on you to be there? By asking these questions, my sister Sheila agreed to come every weekend so I can at least have a good night's sleep over the weekend, as well as give me two hours of me time to run errands or do something for myself. But due to the pandemic, that me time turned into a time where I just go pick up my groceries orders and take out. For the times family support is unavailable, having a professional fair caregiver is a lifesaver. Not only are they skilled in caring for your loved one, but they are, have also experienced what you are just beginning to see. You can learn neat ways and shortcuts to better care for your loved one. It was a CNA that showed me how to change my mom's underwear while she's toilet. I learned how to put mom's shirt on her when she lost functioning of her left arm. I learned how to give her bedside baths on days where a shower seems impossible. As with anything, be sure to have a backup that can work short notices of time when your professional caregiver calls out of work. If you're signed on with an agency, it's their responsibility to find a replacement. Let me correct myself, a good reputable agency will have a replacement. Now, why should I have a social worker? Having a social worker on your team is great for many reasons. They can share information with services in the community your loved one can provide. The social worker connects the dots with each member of the team. They can point you in the correct direction of what is needed to make sure my mom has the best care possible. I learned about a homebound meals program for seniors through a social worker. When mom was in hospice, there was a social worker that helped me talk through the caregiver guilt I was experiencing. Of course, having a doctor will help you navigate through this process. It's key. I started with a neurologist, a psychologist, and a primary care physician for my mom. Because of a social worker, I learned that the PACE program and was introduced to a new method of taking care of a patient. Later, I enrolled my mom into the Memory and Movement Center The great doctors there helped me understand how mom's gait can affect her memory. They also held caregiver courses to chart my way through this process called Alzheimer's. I was paired with a doctor that specialized in the area of my mom's dementia. She informed me that mom had Alzheimer's. That diagnosis caused me to chart my plan of care separately. For this reason, the team meant a lot to me. They instilled in me ways to understand the tough decisions I will have to make in the future. Matter of fact, Memory and Movement Center Charlotte helped me understand the importance of keeping my mom calm, clean, and comfortable. Now, the experiences I have with nurses, not just CNAs, but registered nurses as well, and licensed practical nurses, the LPNs, I strongly advise you to seek them for information. When the CNAs are in my home, I ask a lot of questions about why they do what they do, and I seek their recommendations. I learned how to put compression socks on my mom because of a nurse. I learned tricks on how to get mom's bowels moving without overdosing her on laxatives. I learned why they place pillows on her hospital bed at her head and at her feet. I learned letting mom sleep with her feet elevated will cause the swelling to go down since it's difficult to keep our feet elevated during the day. Again, a nurse is a wealth of knowledge just waiting for you to tap into it. Think about it. If you know the reason behind why something is done and applied it, you just made that nurse's job easier because you're doing it during their off time. A pharmacist? Why should I have a pharmacist on my team? Having a great relationship with your pharmacist can help you know what medicines will work well with your loved one? When I started crushing mom's medication, I learned that some capsules can't be crushed. Hint, time release capsules. I learned enteric-coated meds are coded for a reason and do not crush. Definitely do not crush. This may sound like common sense, but when you're an overwhelmed caregiver without a previous medical history, I will help you to know that common sense is not that common. A therapist on your team? Yes, Mom's team of physical therapists have given me supplies to help Mom live a comfortable, clean, and calm life. They helped me with getting a gait belt to help her with walking. They showed me why a Hoya lift, feet on her wheelchair, and using a blanket or towel as a seatbelt are not the best options for Mom. They explained how it will cause more harm than good from its original tip. They provided me the paperwork to show signs of when my mother is in pain because of her stage of dementia, mom can't just say, hey Sharon, my back hurts. Yes, I love my physical therapy team. And it goes without saying, you gotta have a team for transportation. Having the right mode of transportation will make things easy for you. Mom has forgotten how to get in and out of my car. For this reason, I've had difficulty getting her to appointments. Now, having mom signed up with special transportation through the city or with a pace driver, made my life easy. As odd as this may sound, mom can get into an SUV better than she can in my car. And family members have told me to get one. I've opted to rent one for when we go out of town just because I have this transportation team in place in Charlotte. And I don't have to go out and buy a new vehicle and have car payment. I've also learned that I can win a wheelchair accessible van when that time comes when no one can get her into the SUV. Having a support group goes without saying. Surrounding yourself with a group of people experiencing what you're going through helps a lot. I learned about crushing mom's meds and placing it in her oatmeal, mashed potatoes, applesauce, pudding. get the idea through a support group. Well, how do I find a support group? Your best resource is the Alzheimer's Association website, alz.org. During this pandemic, you can meet virtually, so you're not confined to one location. Other resources include the daycare your loved ones attend, church, and care facilities. You may also want to use your employer assistance program for help. Support groups are out there. And finally, a counselor. When I have my moments where crying in the shower isn't enough that I must share with someone, I go to my counselor. I didn't know I was having anxiety until I was on the verge of a mental breakdown. I remember I was at work. I received news from the emergency room that mom had an infection in her blood. Five minutes after that call, the nurse informed me she gave me incorrect information. She meant to say that one test showed an infection, and the other test didn't. So they want me to have her tested by my primary care physician as the tiebreaker. I lost it. I broke down and cried like a baby and couldn't stop. I got up from my desk to tell my team leader, but I was so shook that I just walked away crying. Scared my team leader. He followed me to the hallway to see if I was okay. He bought me lunch, told me to go home, and had human resources contacted me about taking the leave. Now, with the help of two or three co-workers, I learned that I may be eligible for short-term disability due to my anxiety. This is where I learned having a counselor kept me from a mental breakdown. From my first appointment, I was scared I was going to be admitted to a room with padded walls wearing a straitjacket. I was lost. I had nowhere to go and nowhere to turn. I couldn't sort things out. And this is where I learned that if I don't take care of me, no one would be there to care for mom. Having a counselor is key to your sanity and to make being a caregiver successful. This episode had a lot of information as to why having a team will help you navigate the world of being a caregiver. My mom loves her team. I love her team. I live for my me time to unwind. Mom gets a break from me so she will not kill me and I will not kill her during stressful times. Of course, I'm joking. I I love it too much to do that. I love my outlets to learn ways to keep it that way. Having these resources, no matter how small they appear to be, is greatly appreciated. I utterly understand the statement, it takes a village. Can't wait to chat with you all in two weeks. I plan to share some of my mommy moments in that episode, simply because you have to have humor, fun, and jokes. Until next time, see you then. Hello, hello, hello everyone. Now it's time for our Q&A session and I decided to shake things up a little bit. I have invited a special guest. Would you like to introduce yourself? Hi, my name is Demeric. And she, in case you don't know, is my BFF. So I figured it'd just be great to have her ask the questions and I will provide an answer
1: to it. You ready? okay yes my first question is is there a difference between alzheimer's and dementia
0: i am so glad that you asked that yes there is a difference they're all in the same family they're cousins to each other the best way i can explain it is that think of a beach umbrella Uh When you go to the beach, that beach umbrella is huge. It can cover you, your husband, your children, and even coolers for your food, as well as hats and shades and everything else you can think of. That big umbrella is dementia. Underneath it, there are certain sections to everything, like pseudo-dementia is a section, vascular dimension is a section, 60 percent of that umbrella you remember when i was talking about you your husband and your kids let's say 60 Mm percent of what's underneath that umbrella are human beings that is alzheimer's alzheimer's is basically if we can't pinpoint what type of dementia it is then it's alzheimer's
1: okay that's the
0: best way that i can explain that so when i say that my mom had progressed to alzheimer's it's because she's not displaying the original symptom that my mom had with dementia she's actually further along she's really really progressed in her her stage where she doesn't have any short-term or long-term memory okay did that answer that question you
1: think yes and i i have another question um when would you suggest to have like a loved one tested for dementia?
0: I would have a loved one tested for memory problems as soon as possible. Mm -hmm. The reason being is because the earliest you get diagnosed, the better it is for you to get your stuff in order, to try to delay the process, to do what is necessary. For instance, my mother originally started off with pseudo dementia. So if I got her tested the first time my mom called me and then hung up the phone and then called me right back and act like it was the first time we had a conversation, I could have went to the doctor. They would have told me, hey, it's a depression. Let's go ahead and fix a depression. Mm-hmm. ahead head time. Versus now we're playing catch up and the doctor saying, oh, it's too late. She's too far gone. Okay. And what's the
1: worst?
0: that can happen you get tested you go to the physician they say oh no you just had low blood sugar well guess what you just found out that you have low blood sugar so now they can treat that mm-hmm. so it's never too soon to get anyone tested for cognitive impairment
1: okay so would you say so so let's say for example if my grandmother um let's say she asked me the same question twice in one conversation, and I answer the question, she asks again, and I answer the question, so would that be an example also of, or should I say, should I take that conversation and decide to have her tested?
0: We have to look at another factor. When you're having that conversation, Mm -hmm. was she watching TV? Was she cooking? Was she distracted in any kind of way? Did it seem like when she asked the second question, did it seem like it was a tape recorder situation. OK. Let's say, for instance, she said, hey, how was your day? you said, oh, yeah, it was fine. I'm good. Um, I actually enjoyed myself by treating myself to a nice spa day. I went out and got a massage today. Oh, well, that was nice. Well, how was your day? Mm-hmm. In a situation like that, clearly, that was not a distraction. So I would say, OK, let me take note of that. Mm-hmm. Then. If 10 minutes later she said, hey, how was your day, then yes, I would take a test. But let's say she said, hey, how was your day? And then you hear water running in the background and then you hear some cabinets closed. And then she said, oh, by the way, how was your day? Then I would take that off as simple distraction.
1: Okay. Okay, that makes perfect sense. Thank
0: you. I also recommend that family consult with family other family members and see if they're seeing that behavior as well. Okay. Because the doctor may say, "Oh, well, we may have to tweak some of the medication," or they'll look and they say, "Oh, wow, their head is enlarged." So they may have fluid on the brain, or let me test for a brain tumor or something. The doctor will be more than happy to do the test. You say, "Well, not only did I notice it,
1: but my cousin noticed it too." Okay. Okay, Okay. great. Thank you for answering that for me.
0: Awesome. Now, if you have any questions or concerns, don't forget to send an email to allsformom at gmail.com. That's A-L-Z-F-O-R-M-O-M at gmail.com. Again, if I receive it by Wednesday of this week, you will hear it on my next broadcast, which will be March the 19th. All right, until then, see you next time. Have a great day. Thank you. Thank you.